Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's Coaching Coordinator Podcast, we're going to talk about honesty and the transparency you need with all your stakeholders today. We're going to particularly focus on the parents. And joining me to discuss that is the head football coach at Rose Hill High School in Kansas, Lee Weber. Coach, great to have you here on the podcast. Hey, fantastic to be here. Love listening to you guys' stuff. It's it's fantastic. Coach, the other day I came across some of your stuff on Twitter. I I think it was maybe on uh, one of the chats. And it was about a process that you put together um, really to, I guess, uh, I don't want to say control. I don't think that's the right word, but certainly bring to attention what's happening in the stands, right? And and certainly a lot of positive can come from our fans, our our parents, and and that's what we want. But, you know, there's, and being a a parent of a high school senior myself, there's there's those times where there are frustrations as a parent and, and you know, isn't necessarily maybe what you had envisioned going on or happening with your kid or even happening in a particular game. And sometimes those things get too vocal. And I think we have to remember these are high school athletes. This is a different setting. It's not like, you know, going to, uh, to a game where there's 100,000 people there uh, that a lot of these things get heard. And and we have to remember too, you know, sitting in those stands that somewhere around us are are the you know the spouses, the children of those coaches down on the field as well. So uh, I think is a very positive step that you took. And I guess if you would explain how this idea came about for you. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, um, I guess you know I've. I've one thing I would tell all the coaches out there is, you know, one thing that was always hard for me to understand, you know, I thought I grasped it, was what it was like to be a parent in the stands. And I, I really honestly never had a clue because now I have a five-year-old that plays t-ball and I get it. I understand. I consciously made the decision. I'm not going to coach him. I'm going to let somebody else coach him. And I have to sit in the stands and bite my tongue and now I realize what it's like. And until you have that perspective, it's hard to understand what it's like to be a parent. You know, we, we always say, with our, you know, I always tell my assistant coaches, the thing we have to realize is that, you know, every parent really wants the we're, – we're dealing with their pride and joy. And they want their pride and joy to succeed, succeed 
at Excel. And a lot of times, they, you know, football, they want their kid and the 10 other best players on the field. That, and and that's, that's the role as a parent. They want the best for their kid. And so we have to embrace that a little bit. And this idea that I had really came about was from some different struggles that, you know, I've had in, in different spots. I've coached at four or five different schools. And, in fact, you know, really came across this. I, I had a bad experience at my last school where it's my wife's hometown. It was supposed to be my end-all, be-all job. You know, that's the place I'm going to land and stay forever. And it's where my wife's from. And some people just, you know, really got – very nasty in the stands at some of our performances. And we're, there's times we didn't play very well. Um, I thought we were doing okay. And then we, you know, kids were playing to, I thought our potential and that wasn't good enough for some people. And they kind of took it out on me and my wife is sitting there having to listen to people that she worked with before when she was, you know, she had lived in town when she was a kid and, and it just became a really bad situation. So when I took the new job, new job at Rose Hill, you know, I, I was like, this cannot happen again. I can't let this happen to my wife. Just watching her and my two-year-old in tears after a game, after what people were saying about me, I was like, I can't let this happen again. And as I came into Rose Hill, the administration warned me. They said, you know, our, our fans were pretty nasty to the former coach and our offensive coordinator who's still on staff. And, you know, there was some, you know, back and forth between them, and we kind of had to stop some things, and it was, just wasn't a good situation. And I was just, you know, really trying to brainstorm how can I – how can I solve this problem? How can we curb this? How can we head it off at the pass? And, and for the life of me, I wish I could remember what coach gave this to me because I'd love to give him credit. But it was a baseball coach, I think, in Texas um, that had posted a little, little snippet on Twitter, and it made me dive in and ask him more questions. And he said they curbed, you know, the yelling and things they got from the stands. You know, as a football coach, we – we probably don't – I honestly do hear a lot of the stuff. I don't know why. I can't filter it out. I know other football coaches can. Maybe it's my fault. You know, it's, it's, it's my own weakness is that I hear some of that stuff. Um, but he said we curbed a lot of that by polling our players and asking them, what do you want to hear from your parents and guardians in the stands? What don't you want to hear and then an important one for me is what do you want to hear from your parents after the game? And what don't you want to hear from your parents after the game? They said it changed their culture with their parents and the interaction with their players, the officials, and the coaches. And I said, this is perfect. I said, it's come, you know, and I asked him, I said, Where you get, how do you know you're going to get the answers that you want to get? And the guy said, you know, kids are very honest, and they're going to give you the answers that you, that you really realistically want to hear. And that's what we got from our poll is, I, you know, come in blind. I just sent a poll out to all the players, and I said, what do you want to hear from your parents and guardians and stands? What, what, don't want you, what you don't want to hear? And what do you want to hear from after the game? I think we just trimmed it down to those three. And I just sent that out and asked them in a Google form and asked them to type back. And, you know, we didn't get a 100% response. I didn't track kids down and make them do it. But we got a really good response because it was a pretty emotional issue for a lot of them. And, uh, you know, the kids answered just, I guess it worked out perfectly. They said the exact things that you and I would want them to say. Um, you know, a lot of them felt like their parents were embarrassing them in the stands. They, just, they felt embarrassed over the behavior of some of the, the parents and guardians. And, and I read through so It wasn't terrible, but it was – it was good to know, one, and two, how can we use this information? 
And so the coach said, what you do is you take the results from that survey and you show it at your parent meeting. And so that's what we did. Um, we, I took all the statements, you know, I, if several were close, I kind of combined and, you know, I, I kind of put the results. I would have loved to have had a graph, but, you know, kids answer in different ways. And, uh, you know, I've got it pulled up right in front of me from the one, the first one I did. And, you know, the first thing we asked is, you know, we thought we'd start with a positive. What do you want to hear? And, you know, the kids wanted to hear supportive statements and encouragement and positive statements and great plays and you'll get it next time. You know, they, they wanted positives. They want to hear cowbells and clapping and anything positive. Positive just kept popping up with all these kids that, hey, we want to hear positive. And, and remember, this is a program that went one and eight right. the year before I got there. And we went one and eight my first year. You know, I mean, essentially the same season. But the difference in the stands from those who had the experience both years was was completely different because we did this. Um, then the really telling one is what don't you want to hear from your parents? And we have yelling at the coaches, cussing and yelling at the officials, direct statement, these refs blow, criticism, stupid comments that don't need to be said, that was awful, run the ball more, pass the ball more. And that was the same kid said to both of them, run the ball more, pass that kid gets it. Like he knows it's a parent just, just spouting stuff. Bashing the coaches, negatives, you suck, how such player is not good, and negative statements. And, and we had – there was three slides of what you don't want to hear. The kids were very good about all the things they don't want to hear. I don't want to hear swearing, harsh language, um, cursing, yelling at the officials. I mean, the kids – I didn't have to – you know, you, you'd think maybe you'd have to add one in if you're kind of being dishonest about it. And, hey, I got to make sure we hit this. I didn't, have to add, I didn't have to even think about that. They covered every topic that these parents needed to hear. Um, you know, again, cussing at the officials, bad comments about how the game went differently. I mean, now I'm on slide five. There's like five slides of these things they don't want to hear. And so we showed that in our parent meeting. You know, I kind of told the parents the expectation, and then I popped this up, and I said, this is what your kids said. And jaws dropped. People just went, oh. And it, it was just kind of like it, 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 a realization for them. They woke up and they're like, oh, this is what it looks like for my kid. Because their kid is their pride and joy. And when they realize I'm embarrassing my child, hey, or this is how my kid feels about that, it hits a nerve with them. And, you know, somebody told me they thought it would be more powerful I had the kids say it. And that's really a kind of a tough spot to put their kids in. I feel like, you know, they, they, you have to have a pretty strong kid. Um, you know, they have to be pretty confident themselves to stand up and say these things in front of everybody else. But for me to put it up and just say, this is what your kid said, um, their, their jaws just dropped. They were like, oh, man, you're right. And it, it, it set them back a little bit. Now, you wish that everybody that needed to hear that was at the parent meeting. But that doesn't work out sometimes. Sometimes the ones that need to hear it most don't show up and then show up for the game and start yelling stuff. And we have that happen every once in a while. We, we, don't, we don't actually survey the kids every year. We kind of do it every other year. Um, and that way, you know, we, we kind of use the data twice. Um, and as it's progressed, we haven't need to use it as much. You know, the kind of, we've established the culture. But um, it, it, was, it was really great. And then, you know, the last thing we did was, you know, what do you want to hear from your parents and guardians after the game? Because I've been in so many places where the kid – you know, goes to, um, you know, parents after the game, and instead of 
you know, getting hugged. And there's plenty of p- kids that get hugged and kissed and take pictures. We're the picture sticking people in the world at Rose Hill after we win. There's so many pictures taken. But you'll see some kids that are just getting chewed out by their parents. And I was like, man, you know, we, we need to add this in. This is an important part. You know, you, you know what, what does the kid need to hear after the game? And, and I've always – I don't know who said this first, but, you know, the most important thing I always think you can tell your kid, and I tell my son this after t-ball games, is I love watching you play. Yeah. And so we wanted the kids to tell their parents in their own words what they wanted to hear from their parents. It was good job, honest truth about my performance, good job, congratulations, you did great, good game. You know, I'm taken back to, you know, I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan, but the scene in the last episode of Ted Lasso where the dad's yelling at his son that, that passed the ball instead of scoring the goal himself, like that strikes a nerve. I see that happen so many times in, in sports is where, you know, kid gets yelled at because he didn't do what his dad or mom thought he should have. And right. One, I don't want to be that parent. And I, I want to give those kids, you know, I want to help that kid out as much as possible to not have that experience because it's just not what you want after a game. Like, you don't want to – the kid already knows what they did wrong right? or what they probably could have done differently. They, they just – they want to hear that their parents love them and that they enjoyed watching them play. You know, I was – I don't know the blessed or cursed – but my dad never played football. My mom and dad are not sports people. My dad's a farmer. My mom was a grocery store clerk. And they had no clue about football, but they would come watch my football games. And the only thing that they knew is they knew when their son tried hard or didn't try hard. They could tell my effort. Mm-hmm. And they would always just say, well, they love watching me play. And if I didn't play hard, they, they would call me out on that, which I needed to be called out on that. But you know, they didn't critique my performance. They, they didn't tell me I should have blocked this person or that person or tackled this person or that person. Or I did my assignments wrong. And, and, you know, while maybe I wasn't a seasoned player coming in, it, it was just that experience of my parents knew no better than to just love their kid. And so sometimes I try to pass that on to people. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I, and I had read that years ago when my kids were just getting into sports that you know when when they're done tell them you love watching them play or you know love how hard you work or or something positive along those lines win or lose and you know as a coach it's always it's you know especially the the sports you know well it's tough to not coach them up they don't need that at the time I always you know would would uh leave it at that and later the next day maybe revisit some things and for me it was always questions not wasn't going to tell them, you know, or suggestion like, hey, did you ever think about this? Or, you know, trying to understand, you know, what they might be thinking or how they were doing things or maybe what they're struggling with. So so you can find them the help if you can't give it to them. But, you know, in those immediate moments after, right, it's it's not, you know, just just like coaches, we don't necessarily immediately sit down and, and you know, um, you know, decompress for we, we decompress from everything for a while before we get it back into breaking it down what went well what didn't went well that's going to happen the next morning right and so for our players I think it's it's the same thing they need right they just expended a lot of energy both physical and emotional and, and mental and for them to you know then start to take on whatever a parent might give them and, and I see it all the time you know that's that's difficult. They don't want to hear about you know you should you should do this in your stance or you know what was wrong with your shot or you know anything you could think of 
it's not the time, right? And so I think that's such a valuable thing that you shared that with your parents. Um, question I, ha- I thought of as you were going through that now is, is did that make its way down to the other, you know, younger levels of your program? You know, it, it hasn't, but, you know, it's a great idea to, to do so. You know, and, and I especially think, you know, some of the problems we see start in youth football. Mm-hmm. And so the, the youth coach, you know, typically sometimes that's where a real, one of the biggest issues I had with a parent was he was the youth football coach. And so when his kid came to play for me after, you know, he didn't play for three years and played his, his senior year, and the kid just was he decided to be a wrestler and, and wanted to go all in on wrestling. His friends convinced him to go out for football, and the dad had been the youth football coach. You know, he couldn't let go of that role. He couldn't let go of being the, head, being the football coach. And so whatever I was doing, he had to, you know, you know tell us about it. And, you know, that, that is a it, – it needs to happen, I think, at that younger level. But the the issue would be, you know, what is the – are the young kids mature enough to say that? You know, I think it has to be adapted. You know, this is, you know, maybe a presentation of this is what players want to hear. This is maybe a little bit more guidance because I don't know whether, you know, a, a 10-year-old football player, you know, you know, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. You know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with 10-year-olds. I have a 5-year-old, and I've coached high school kids my whole life. And so, you know, even a 10-year-old probably knows, hey, I want to hear somebody say good job. Yeah. Or I want to be told good job after the game. And so, you know, I, I, think, I think it's something that should be probably – it's a great thought for youth football and especially junior high football because I think that's where people start to see, you know, some of those issues come out. You know, and, and we're not helping ourselves, I think, as a society with – pro sports and college sports, you know, I'm, I'm a, been a, ba- a basketball official for 15 years. And, and I think some people lose sight at the high school level and the youth level that this is an educational process. This is a educate, you know, we're doing this to educate kids and uh, you know, it's, it's a classroom outside a classroom and it's not a pro sporting event. You know, it's, you know, yelling and booing and those things, you know, that happens. Yeah. But, you know, is that appropriate for our level? And, you know, I, I really think about the people who are yelling at the 16-year-old to shoot the ball or throw the ball or block somebody. You know, one, they already know that stuff. You right. know, like anybody who's ever yelled, offensive line, block somebody. Like, what do you think we're, they're supposed to do? You know, we're yelling the obvious. But, you know, you know yelling at a 16-year-old, I, I don't think that in any other part, place in society, you know, we, that would be frowned upon. You know, like we're, nobody's going into somebody's office and yelling at them to do their job, you know, as they're just a random observer. And, you know, but pro sports and college sports have, you know, led that to be, hey, that's okay. And uh, that's part of the fun of the game. You know, that's part of the atmosphere. And I don't know that it has a place in, in scholastic sports. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a different uh, approach to it. And, uh again, the information you compiled, I think is useful at the youth level. And, and maybe it's not um, to, to the extent of detail that you need, but even putting, you know, something together, just thinking of, of ways to share that, right? Making sure that it's shared out with your coaches, um, maybe through your social media account, and you put something on there too, that just is, you know, gets in front of people that way who are, are you know, in your uh, program from the youngest levels all the way up that, 
just becomes part of your culture that this is how we do it here, right? This is the expectation, et cetera. But it's, it's really based on this is what your kids want. I think that's very powerful there. Um, looking at this process, which you did with your players and getting the feedback, I think is very useful also in getting feedback on your own coaching and your staff's coaching. And, and again, some of those things, uh, just understanding uh, a little bit better about uh, individual players and, and the group as a whole, what really are the things that are useful to them and how that they're coached. Uh, I can't remember, I think it was uh, the cool clinic and one of the guys was telling the story of, uh, and again, I wish I remember who it was, but he was telling the story about uh, uh, Orlando Pace, co- coaching Orlando Pace and his first time with him. And, you know, this guy's an all pro and everything, one of the best in the league. And, you know, uh, the first rep, this guy's in there in, in an individual period says, you know, good job. And, you know, Orlando turned around and told him, like, coach me, right? Like, good job <laughs> doesn't necessarily help anybody, right? And I think it's one of those things uh, I heard someone, you know, on this podcast say once that if your mom can say it from the stands, it's not a coaching point. So again, just understanding better, what are the things we do? Maybe what are some of our blind spots, things we need to develop as coaches that that process can work very well for that as well and and being able to get that information out of players. Yeah, it's a little bit like, and I've never really done this completely, but I do let this kind of mold the way we, we do things. It's like the love languages, you know, I, I used to teach sex ed, so that was right, fun time. Right. But you talk about the love language and, and what, how people feel appreciated or feel affection, and you kind of have to apply that. You know, some kids need verbal, you know, verbal affirmation. Some kids need to be motivated externally. You know, they need gifts. Some kids are motivated by a pat on the back where other kids don't want you to touch them. You know, and, and so it's – Without calling it love languages, because I don't think that goes over with my guys very well. They don't. They wouldn't understand that. You know, you kind of have to survey them and talk to them about how, how do you want to be coached. And you know, a lot of times that just—it's not anything formal for us. It's more on observation. This works. This doesn't. And other times it's just flat out asking the kid. You know, what, what do I need to do to coach you better because you're not performing? You know, I'm a, I'm a track coach, and so I deal a lot with the kids on the individual levels. And, you know, my kids, one is just being, I guess, confident and strong enough as an athlete and confident and strong enough as a coach to have a relationship where there can be honest communication back and forth. You know, I, I have to be strong enough as a coach to realize, okay, my method – that I prefer may not be what they prefer. And that kid's got to be strong enough to be able to tell me, coach, this is how I need to be coached. I need you. I have a discus thrower. And he was mad at me. And I said, why were you mad? He goes, coach, you weren't there when I threw the discus. And I said, I have 25 other people. He goes, coach, I need you there. I need what you need. I need, I need you to tell me what I need to fix because I struggled today. And he was strong enough to tell me that. And, you know, I thought he was good. Like, you know, when you have 25 throwers and one coach or two coaches working with those people, you know, you can't watch them all at the same time. Right. And, you know, it's the same. So some guys need a little bit more. Some guys want you to watch it. And they need to be able to speak up. And you, But you've got to be able to, I think, as a coach, you know, foster the environment for that to happen. You know, we don't often – 
or try not to often be just a, you know, stand and deliver program where I talk, you listen, you do it. You know, we want our kids to be active problem solvers. And, you know, a lot of times we give our kids, you know, we'll have them watch film and have them come back and tell us, what did you see? What did you notice? Because they might see things. It's just opening it up so that the players have some, you know, people use the word buy-in and stuff like that all the time. But it's just they have an open platform to be able to talk to us. And as a coach, I have to be ready also to hear some things that maybe I don't want to hear. You know, like, I, you know, there might be a kid that comes to me. If I open that channel, there might be a kid that comes and say, Coach, you know, I was pretty pissed off at you today, and I don't think you did a very good job coaching us. And I have to be able to, if I'm going to open that door, I have to be able to let people walk through it, walk in it. And, you know, I might bristle up at that, but then I have to realize, okay, that's, you know, I, I open the door, I ask for feedback, and so this is the feedback I'm getting. One of the best coaching evaluations I ever got, um, my AD had left, and so the principal who used to be an AD, he did my evaluation. And after, you know, after the season, he interviewed five of my seniors and talked to them about how I coached and what they felt about my coaching ability, whether I gave them any ownership in the program. And it just happened that year, we, you know, to win a game, we got in the huddle, and I talked to the kids, and I'm like, hey, what are we running? What do you feel great about? The kid was like, hey, coach, if we run, if we run smash and I run a, if I run a slant instead of a hitch, I'm going to be wide open. And he was wide open. We won the game. And that kid told, told my principal, he's like, you know, he let us have some ownership in us and let, let us tell him what we thought would work, and he trusted us. And to this day, it's like one of the, you know, compliment for me and my principal was like, you know, that told me everything I need to know about you as a coach is that you care enough about the kids to listen to them and trust them. And uh, luckily it worked. So, yeah, yeah right. also if it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. And, and I did, you know, I've done that later on. You know, I, I was bound and determined in overtime one time to call, you know, our kind of go-to two-point pass play on fourth and one. And my kids looked me in the eye and said, Coach, you know, we, we need to run power. We need to run double – sorry, it was double ISO. We need to run double ISO. We can do this. And I said, you, you believe in it? And they said, yes, Coach, this is what we need to do. And I said, that's fine. Let's do it. And we won the game. And, you know, that's celebratory fixtures I have on my wall somewhere is those kids standing with their hands up because they made the call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I trusted them, and they were right. Yeah. Uh, and so those are huge, huge moments when you have them. Yeah, and it's that, it's that feedback that you get. And I know, again, just looking at things and – um, trying to understand what's best. I, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day that, you know, and, and even looking at some of the things I've done before, we, we try to use all of these, you know, coaching tools to get the feedback from our players, et cetera. And I, I really feel like, um, and I, I can remember at some points, just allowing kids to, to fill something out without their name on it. But I, I think with what we're trying to promote most of our programs, if our programs are about trust and developing relationships, then anonymous shouldn't be a part of it, right? We, we need to have that communication back and forth. And, um, you know, to me, that's an important part of it. And, you know, as coaches, as you create tools, I think that's something to think about, right? And, and to explain, like, you know, you don't want it, anonymous because as you talked about a lot of this becomes individualized you get to understand a little bit more about those individuals learn more about them 
And that has to be part of the process. So it does require that back and forth trust. Oh, absolutely. You know, if, if it's a really trust situation, it can't be, it can't be anonymous. You're asking for ownership, you know, that, you know, you want, we always tell the kids, you know, we want you to own your effort, own our program. You know, we have a pledge on our wall that I used to print out and the kids would sign it. You know, you sign it, you own it. It's hard to own something anonymously. And yeah. even if it's your opinion or your idea, you know, own that idea, you know, own, own your st- statements, own your, own your words that you're going to speak. And, you know, so anonymous typically, you know, when you did that, you did the complaint box or something, you've always seen people, I've never done a complaint box, but you see a complaint box, you know, I, I really feel like those are ever productive because the kids just know, like, and I think this, that you're never, the, the message or the solution never, never hits home because you didn't know who to deliver the solution to. You know, and, and each kid needs to be treated differently and coached differently within the whole team concept. And so there are a couple of my guys. I, we sent a kid to TCU this year, and I got after, or, you know, I, I kind of talked to him after my offensive line coach really got after him. I said, hey, you know, you know this, he's just trying to make a better. He goes, coach, it's okay. This is what I want. I want to be coached hard because that's what I need to, that's what motivates me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas if that was anonymous, like he, I, I would just have neutered my offensive line coach. Like, but he knew what buttons to push with this kid. And I needed to know, you know, once I had a conversation with the kid, now I understand. All right. This is, you know, but if I, if it was anonymous, one of the other kids said, Oh, you know, offensive line coaches, you know, he, he gets after us too much. And then I go talk to him and he tones it down. Then this kid didn't, didn't get what he needed, you know, but my offensive line coach is really good. He knows I can push this kid's button. And this kid, I don't. I push different buttons. You know, I love this one up because that's what he needs. This one, I need to kind of get after a little bit to get the most out of him, and he's okay with that. And so it, you have to individualize your coaching. You know, you, it's. I, I think it's lazy coaching just to coach everybody the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't take. It doesn't take a lot of effort to coach everybody the same way. It does take a lot of effort to realize I need to push these buttons with this kid and these buttons with that kid. And, you know, it's not being inconsistent. It's, it's coaching how they need to be coached to be the best. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I know, and first of all, thank you for sharing some of these ideas here today. I know you do uh, spend some time putting your resources out there. So uh, where can our coaches find more? And, and I know you have a book to talk about as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wish that this, uh, this lesson about the parents uh, and and uh, the survey we did was in my book uh, during I, I had COVID and so I had 10 days in quarantine and I've always wanted to write a book and I wanted to write the, I wanted to write the book that I needed when I was a young coach. And so I sat down for 10 days while I was locked in my basement away from my family, um, away from everybody else had my food delivered like I was in some sort of prison. And uh, I just sat down and wrote this book uh, called the head coaching mentorship manual. And you can find it on Amazon. It has about 30 different lessons from my 20, now 21 years of, of being head high school football coach, um, little tips, tricks, and things that, that I needed to know along the way that hopefully other coaches who are looking to become a head coach will look at that book and say, oh, you know, this was, you know, I need this. or I, It'll help them out in the end, I think, in, in having a better experience. You know, I love my experience as a coach, but I wish I knew then what I know now. I'd have been a lot better. And so I want to pay it forward to other coaches. So, you know, it, it's on Amazon. Um, 
you know, I have a couple coach tube courses out. I have kind of a, a, a tech nerd a little bit, a free lap, a free lap timing system nerd. So I have a book on how to run the free lap timing system, which is a great tool for football coaches and track coaches. Um, I have a speed development program kind of geared toward tracks on track on coach tube. And then I have a, if you go to my Twitter at coach law 71, my pen tweet takes you to my coaching resources website and I have some different strength and conditioning um, resources for sale there and uh, some other coaching presentations, some football stuff, a little football stuff, you know, some performance stuff, uh, some free things for coaches. Um, I just, I'm trying to put out all those things I can't. Uh, you know, sometimes I call myself the Walmart of coaching resources. All my stuff's pretty cheap, five, ten bucks. Um, not trying to get rich. I'm just trying to help coaches out and, and get a little, you know, help my family out a little bit at the same time. Yeah, great follow on Twitter, and he does share a lot of those resources there and uh, communicates with you as well. Again, it's at CoachLaw71. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time with us, and best of luck to you and your team in 2021. Hey, thank you, Coach. It's been an absolute pleasure to come on. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. Got some great things coming for you in May and for the last three months or so of this offseason, we'll be back with All In on Offense and our deep dive on defense. And we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there. Check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.